Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Something about that trip just made me realize that I have to spend my vacation to go see my family. I don't just get to see him whenever I want. When I was in the military, you got to take leave to go home and see your family. And I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and with me, I've got a good friend of mine and listener, Brian Parker. Uh, Brian Parker served in the United States Air Force. He left the Air Force after a tour of service, and he's just he had gone from job to job, just feeling it in a, to be in a dead end. And you know, as he escaped from one job into the next, into the next, he finally had a pivotal moment where he took a leap of faith. And ever since he took that first leap of faith, it led into another one and another one and another one. And so I wanted to have him on the show to share with us uh, that transition, that aha moment, and the, the benefits he has seen by taking those leaps of faith and to continue to grow himself uh, in his early 40s and beyond. So here we go. Brian, how's it going? Uh, Jerry, it's going great. Uh, nobody knows where we are yet. You're going to talk about it, but I'm staring out the window looking at the ocean right now. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we're in an undisclosed location doing nothing for the government. Uh, exactly. <laughs> on a vacation cruise. Uh, Brian's uh, partner had a birthday and we decided to, well, he decided let's take her on a cruise and he invited us to come along. So we did. Uh, so we're somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico what, looking at what is the bluest water I've seen since I lived in California. And it's a sunny, sunny day on the last days we're hightailing it back to Galliston because we've got jobs we've got to get back to. <laughs> so <laughs> It is crazy when you look at this water and you see how blue it really is. I mean, coming off the coast of Texas, it's not blue. Then no, you get it out, And it really only takes a couple of miles. You get a couple of miles out and now it's super blue. Yeah. It's, real, it's beautiful. Yeah. Like on, on the Texas coast, it's a lot of that, that muddy water that the, the rivers are pouring into it and yeah. that the water is shallow to begin with. So it's yeah. Green, murky. It's all uh, coming out of the Mississippi, isn't it? And I think then so. The, the, the tide or the current, whatever it is, takes it towards Texas and just makes it all the Mississippi muddy water. By the way, first time I've ever snorkeled in my life. So new experiences. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of firsts here. I, I, I think I've annoyed my wife though with all the, you know, this is the first time I've done this in international waters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad I could be here for some of your firsts. Awesome. Awesome. It's like stupid stuff though. Like, Hey, Liv, this is the first time I had breakfast in international waters. Exactly. <laughs> so all about perspective. Uh, but that, that's not the reason why we got you onto the show. Uh, I mean, you've been listening to the show for a while. We've been friends for years. Uh, but as we got to talking, it turns out you've had this career path that is essentially the message behind beyond the rut. Uh, so it's, you know, that person who feels stuck, you know, they, they're doing well, they're getting paid good money, uh, but they feel trapped and they have to escape. They got to get out in some way. Uh, and so, Take us a little bit through that early journey, the, you know, serving in the Air Force. Uh, you served your, your term of service. You got out. Uh, and then what was that first job out of the Air Force? Oh, yeah. So we can start with my Air Force career. So coming out of high school, I really didn't know what I was going to do. You know, my family didn't have a whole lot of money for uh, sending me to college. So I was just like, what do I do with my life? And my brother had a friend that was in the Air Force. He had recently separated. So I just said, well, that could be a way to go. I'd never even considered it. Not once. So I made an appointment to talk to a recruiter and went and took my ASVAB. And then all of a sudden I've got a leave date. So I come home and tell my parents, Hey, I'm leaving December 11th. 
Nice. And of course they freaked out. They were like, what do you mean you're leaving? I'm like, I'm leaving. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm going. So I signed up, you know, I was, I grew up in a blue collar type family where we were maintenance guys. We worked on everything, worked on cars, worked on houses, built everything. So I signed up for a maintenance type job, went into the air force and, you know, it was my first real technical training. It taught me a lot. You know, I've even now to this day, I know how to work on things. I know how to build things. And it's because I had a really good base knowledge from the military, you know, and it's interesting because when you get put in the military, you're, you know, I think I was 19 or 20 years old and I was made a team chief of a maintenance. So, I mean, all of a sudden you're a 20 year old in a leadership position. It's crazy. How many 20 year olds get to say that, right? You don't, you know, <laughs> I work with guys that are just out of college now and I look at them as 22 year olds. I'm like, there's no way I would put them in charge of anything. Exactly. But in the military, yeah. you're in charge of everything. <laughs> Multi-million dollar pieces of equipment, people's very lives. Yes. It's so crazy. So that was my <laughs> first little dip my toe into leadership. You know, and I worked two different careers in the, in the Air Force. I was in the, the maintenance side of things. I uh, worked up in uh, Montana on the underground nuclear missile silos. The second half of my career, we went into the missile alert facility where you got the guys underground turning the keys yes. to launch the missiles. Just like that uh, game, not game show, the movie War Games. Exactly. <laughs> Turn the keys, sir. Exactly. Turn the keys. So I've actually seen the keys. There's two of them and they sit about four feet apart. So it takes two guys to do it. So I worked uh, maintenance there. I was uh, the facility manager. Which then again, you know, I'm a little older. I think I was really old at this time, like 23. Yeah. Really old. Really old for military standards. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To be in charge of something. I was really old. You know, and I'm just topside making sure everything is running. You know, we have security forces that take care of all the security stuff. And I'm a hotel manager, essentially, is what I was. Yeah. So... You know, once once my seven-year enlistment, or I re-enlisted to put me at seven, started to come to an end, I had to make a decision. What do I do now? Do I stay in? Do I get out? And I'd made a lot of really good friends that were, they all separated at their four-year mark, and we kept in touch. And I had one really good friend that moved to Tennessee, and me and him were so close. We met in basic training. Like, we literally were in basic training together, you know. You know, he got out, moved to Tennessee for his jobs, and... It was just kind of one of those, well, what do you do now in life? Do you do you go one way or do you go the other? And I decided to go one way. So I, I got out of the military. I moved to Tennessee, started looking for jobs there, and uh, got into the rental car business. And what was it you were looking for when you found that job in the rental car business? So what were the criteria? Well, I'd heard a lot about those uh, the rental car companies, how they're real big on hiring college graduates, and, and they do leadership training. You know, because it's it's another business model where they're they're getting people that are young and teaching them leadership, and they really do. We we went through leadership training being really young. I think whenever I separated from the military, I was twenty five, so I'm getting a little older. Um, but now I'm in the civilian sector, and you know, after a couple of years of working for the rental car company, I became a branch manager. You know, once again, I'm in charge of something. Um, and even at that point, you know, I was 27 or 28. I still felt like I'm too young to be in charge of anything. <laughs> um, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that are not that old that are in charge of stuff, but, um, I learned so much from that job. You know, it was, it was real big on customer service. And, you know, when you're working in a rental car, there, there are people are just standing in front of you. You're not on the phone. So you, you have to learn how to talk with a customer and deescalate situations and, and really, 
take care of people face to face. You don't get to hide behind a phone or hide behind a wall. You're, you're face to face. So, I mean, it, it was an excellent, excellent learning opportunity. I yeah. really enjoyed it, but the job was, it was a beat down. <laughs> I mean, we, we worked from seven o'clock in the morning until six o'clock, five days a week, worked on the weekends and it was, it was rough. So, I mean, we, we put in the hours and yeah, it, it yeah. wears on you after a while. And, you know, I started to think, do, do I really want to do this? Um, and it was getting to me. It really was. Yeah. What would you say are some of the factors that drove you away from that company? The <laughs> long hours. It, it was the hours. <laughs> yeah. It really was. And then, you know, you can only get yelled at so many times before you just, you just don't want to get yelled at anymore face to face. Yeah. You know, and we did our best to, try to keep everybody happy and do our job, keep the place running. But, you know, people are not always happy. So you just have to deal with it. And so it started to kind of get to me. And then even along that, I was living in Tennessee and my hometown is in in the Dallas area. So I went home and, and I remember this. It was Christmas of 2005 and spent time with my family. And and I something about that trip just made me realize that I have to spend my vacation to go see my family. Yeah. I don't just get to see him whenever I want. When I was in the military, you got to take leave to go home and see your family. And I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. So I immediately went back and told my boss, I was like, Hey man, I'm moving back to Texas. And he was, he wasn't happy about him, you know, because we worked real close together, but he was like, well, you know, that's good. You know, you get to go to see your family and you know, that rental car company, they, they're all over the country. So it, it afforded me the opportunity to just transfer. So he made some calls and found some open positions. And, you know, I talked to the regional manager in the Dallas Fort Worth area and she found me a job. So I got to move back and be closer to my family. And it was such a big change and it, it made a big difference, you know, just to get, get back near the people that I wanted to see every day. Yeah. yeah so very values driven for you in that respect, because I mean, I've, I've talked to enough people on the show that, you know, what is it? The thing that is making you feel stuck in a rut or trapped. And it's that lack of freedom to see the ones you love the most. Like you've given up that to pursue a paycheck or pursue a title. And, and some of the folks that are coming to mind right now, Ron Worley, who, you know, was told he had five years left to live because of a heart attack he survived. Uh, he was, it, it forced him to prioritize everything and family was like number one. He's like, I don't care what I do for a living. I don't care what businesses I have. It's all about this family. I've got this, this wife, but these kids, I'm going to spend as much time as I can with them while hitting my bucket list. Um, recently I interviewed a chaplain and I asked him like, how many, folks did you see at the the final moments of their life say you know i wish i turned in that report with the right tps cover sheet <laughs> exactly. to get that promotion because if i had gotten that promotion my life would have had meaning you know like <laughs> nobody <laughs> it's always exactly you know what matters most that's where i wish i had some more time or had more time doing uh, and you know a lot of us feel stuck because we have given so much time to a company uh, to a system, to somebody else's dream in a sense. Uh, and so you, you just relocated from, I believe, what, Tennessee, Tennessee. And you're now back in the great state of Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you're still with the same company? Is that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so you eventually left that company, though. So what was that like final straw and, and made you like shift gears and go somewhere else? Well, being in the rental car industry, it's very closely tied to insurance, you know? So the majority of the people we talked to were in car accidents. So we had to get them a, a rental car so they could take care of their insurance claim. So it was very tied. So we knew so much about the insurance industry and I had a couple of friends working in it. So it just seemed like an easy transition, yeah. you know, cause I, 
it was really, you know, you asked me what was the one of the driving factors and it was the time. You know, I was losing all of my time to just this job, you know, yeah. and I liked the job. It was all right. You know, I had some really good people I worked with and I learned a lot of good things and you know, I got put in charge of stuff. I learned some really valuable leadership lessons, but it was time. You know, I value my time more than anything. My time is my time. So when I wasn't able to enjoy my time because all I was doing was working, I said, you know, I need to make a change. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just got to make a change. So uh, I had a friend help me out and got me a job interview with an insurance company. And we just kind of took it from there. And luckily, you know, they liked me and they, they offered me a job. So I got to change my career. Nice. It was great. And now did the insurance company give you the time you were looking for? It did. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was a regular eight hour a day job. <laughs> You're not working on the weekends. Um, you know, I was an auto claims adjuster. I drove around looking at people's wrecked cars. So it was a lot of freedom. You know, I could, I could set my own hours, uh, just do what I wanted to do. They said, here's all the claims you need to work. Just make sure they get done. Yeah. So it, it did give me a lot of time. I could take longer lunch breaks and just kind of sit back and relax. So it, it gave me a lot of my time back. It, it served the purpose, you know, and I really enjoyed it. But like every other job, there's always the downside yeah. of and I'm still dealing with customers face to face and it was challenging, but I, you know, I took all the skills that I learned in my previous job of, you know, those are the, the people that are in accidents. They're, they're upset. They're, they've been through a traumatic experience and any little thing that you do will set them off. Yeah. I don't have a red car. It will set them off. Yeah, you know, they have to have that sense of control again. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all you know just worked up about what had happened to them. So uh, you know you have to feel a lot of empathy for them, and we we trained a lot on that. We had to understand you know be empathetic when you're speaking. You know reflect back what they're saying so they know that you are hearing them. So we had to deal with a lot of that, and you know it, it taught me a lot. But just after a while of doing another job, you know it just it was just kind of wearing down on me again you know just the phone non-stop ringing all yeah. day people have problems they they need help and you know we're here to help we we you know provide good customer service but it, it it starts to wear on you after a while so what i started to do was try to advance my career a little bit you know this was really me trying to push a little further and training has always been my thing you know i've always been an on-the-job trainer when i was in the military Anytime we had a new guy come in, they would set him up with me and I would show him the ropes. Then when I got in with the insurance company, I would show him the ropes. So that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. It was, it was kind of my first corporate job where I said, I want to train. You know, that's, that's a career. It's, it's a career path you could take, which I never knew that. I never knew that's what I wanted to do, but I figured out that I wanted to do it. I was good at it. So I started working and, you know, I worked with my leadership team and, I told them that's what I wanted to do. And they said, well, you know, you're really good. So let's, let's see what we can do. And they got me into a position of, of mentoring. Nice. Nice. Now it sounds like things are going great, but I mean, it's taking an emotional toll though. So where you got your freedom as far as time goes, you're, you're paying a different price. And that is that emotional healing that's needed after a day of dealing with folks who are at their worst or not their worst, but they're, they're going through a tough time. Uh, so. But overall, it sounds like it was a good experience, yet there was something that drove you away from the insurance business into um, you eventually wind up doing postal work. <laughs> 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 so, like, what happened there? So I said I wanted to get into training. So I, I was in the, the insurance business for a couple of years, and an actual 
official training position came open and I applied for it and I thankfully I was able to get it. So I was uh, in charge of uh, new hire onboarding. Okay. We did onboarding for all the new claims adjusters across the country. It was a really small team. There was only about seven of us. And, you know, times come where, you know, layoffs are going to happen. It's it's just a part of corporate life. And um, I should have known whenever they sent out a survey to all of us and it was you tell us what you do and how much time it takes. You know, and I was so <laughs> new to the company. I, Have you not I seen Office Space? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really catch on to what was going on. So I'm like, well, this is what I do. And, you know, I talked to my, my manager about it. And he was like, well, let's beef this up a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, wow. let's beef it up. But ultimately, it was his decision to figure out, well, we've got to cut a couple of people. Oh, wow. Um, unfortunately, I was on the team the shortest amount of time, maybe a, a year and a half. And he really valued the people that had been with him a lot longer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they had all the skills, but he was faithful to those people. So, you know, he called me one day and says, look, you're going to get a call in a little while and you're going to get a, a, a six week notice. You're out. You're going to be out of here. And I just paused. I was like, I don't know what to think about this. Yeah. I was like, do, am I shocked? Do, do I, do I want to stay? And it was funny. The the first thing that came across my mind was I'm leaving. I mean, it took me about three seconds to just say, I'm going to leave because, <laughs> and I immediately told him, I was like, well, that's, that's okay. I'm, I'm good to go. And he's like, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. I need to start this conversation over. He's like, a six-month notice doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave. It just means you're not going to be able to do this job in six weeks, not six months. Oh, wow. Okay. So he was like, you have this whole time. You can apply for any job in the company. We'll help you. We'll do anything you want. And my response was, I'm leaving. I was like, I don't want to be in this industry anymore. It's like, it, it'll drain you, you know, dealing with, with all the customers and all of the everything that you have to go through. And and I, I just said, I'm leaving. Yeah. And he, he was kind of at a panic because he didn't know what to, what to think <laughs> about it. You know, you're giving people options. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm leaving. And, you know, throughout those six weeks of just riding out my time there, you know, I still, I worked really hard. I did my job. I showed up and I had other managers reaching out to me and they were offering me jobs. And I was like, no. Like I, I'm leaving. Yeah, it's, it's not that for me. A lot about that leadership team. So total side note. I mean, they, they wasn't just a you were a number. We got to cut you off. You go. Like they truly saw the talent you brought to the table, and they said this sucks because the fairest thing we could come up with is Brian's got to go out of this position. But we don't want Brian to leave. Leave the organization. Let's keep him any way we can. And it, it sounds like they made that attempt. Uh, but you, it gave you that aha moment that you know, yeah, the money might be good. Uh, I'm getting the advancement I thought I was getting, except for this whole layoff thing. Uh, but it made you realize it's taken a toll on an emotional health level. And uh, it must have been bad because it drove you to the post office. <laughs> so. Yeah, so leaving that company, I think, was my first, like, just leap of faith. Like, I'm just going to leave and, and see what happens. I had no idea what was going to happen. Well, I had a little bit of savings saved up, and it was – it was uh on my birthday in the late July that was my very last day at work. So that was a nice birthday present. And I said, I'm not going to work for the rest of the year. I'm just going to take some time for me because I've gone from military service to jobs that just drained everything out of me. And I'm just going to relax. So I spent the rest of that year just relaxing. And honestly, it was the best time of my life. I was not making any money. I wasn't spending any money. And it was great. It was just so nice to do nothing. And then I started looking for jobs. And, you know, my dad had a really good 
postal career. He was a maintenance guy. So like I said, we're, we're always maintenance people. My older brother, uh, also in maintenance at the post office. So I always, you know, I like government services. Like I'm going to see if there's any postings yeah. and there was postings. They needed letter carriers. Um, there's, they're always in need of letter carriers. So I applied for it and it was a really, I mean, it happened so fast. Uh, my cousin was with me. We both applied at the same time. I mean, it just moved so quick. It was kind of strange. Normally, when you apply at the post office, it takes months or yeah. years. Yeah, it took my dad a year to get in. Yeah, I think my dad was like 18 months. Uh, my older brother was about the same. So so I got in. You know, I did all the interviewing, and I got in. And then now, all of a sudden, I'm delivering mail. So I had to learn how to deliver mail. It was pretty interesting. And, you know, that was just being in the post office and seeing their leadership style and it's totally different it's not what you would see in the corporate because the mail doesn't stop coming so the supervisors that run those uh units their leadership style is make sure people are doing it there's no how are they feeling you know what how can we motivate them it's get the work done yeah you're truly a cog in the machine there yeah and i i I use the word uh, leadership and I, I really shouldn't. It's more supervision. There was no leadership. You know, we've both talked about leadership many times. We both trained leadership and it was not leadership. It was supervision. Just get it done. Uh, so I made it about five months there uh, before I was like, <laughs> I, this is not going to work for me. But it, you know, this is the story that I always tell people, which was the real, like this was the true leap of faith. So I, I worked a route. It was very industrial, so, I mean, I was just kind of out on my own, just deliver into businesses. That's all I did. So it was a real easy route. And there was one particular tree that I would just stop my truck and eat lunch because in the middle of the route. And I'm sitting there eating my sandwiches. I made little bagel sandwiches with some kind of meat in it, just enjoying it. Had the windows open with the breeze going through. And I was thinking about this job that I did not like. I was like, I'm not even sure why I'm here. It's like, I... I've gone through college. I have college degrees. You know, I've got tons of leadership training. I've got so many skills and I'm sitting in a truck in the middle of Dallas, just delivering mail. It's like, is this really what I should be doing? Yeah. And it was, it was so strange just sitting there, just like this weird peace came over me just sitting there. I'd never felt that before. And all of a sudden I felt just quit. Yeah. Just quit. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was strange. Parents you know? around the globe right now are like, <gasps> how dare you suggest that? You have to have a job you're going into. It's just exactly. like relationships. You don't break up with this person until you have a new girlfriend. You're like, no, 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 no. That's horrible. That's <laughs> not the greatest advice. Yeah, but uh, it was a really yeah. cool feeling of just, you know what? Quit. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And I just felt that. And I, I think I made it about a week or two later, you know, just working the job. And I just kept thinking about that moment where I just had this feeling of just quit. Yeah. It's no big deal. It'll be okay. Now, did you have money and savings that would tie you over? Until, no. No. So this is a Nothing. true leap of faith. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. It was a real leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time I I think I really felt the faith just coming over me and just saying, quit quit your job. Everything will be okay. Um, so I, I ended up quitting. You know, I called in on a Saturday morning and I was just like, I'm not coming in today. Like, this is just not for me. Um, and I had started applying for other jobs and then... I think it was the week after I quit, I get a call from the company I work at now. And they're like, Hey, we've got some open positions. We want to talk to you. Wow. How did and they it, find you? Like they just, I, I don't even know. I think it was just one of those quick applies on LinkedIn. You know, you just go through and you're just like, click, 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 you know, <laughs> apply. 
it wasn't even one of those where I went through and filled out this long application process that just takes forever. Um, and somebody from the company called me. I was like, we, we, you know, we've got open positions come in for an interview. And I was like, okay. I was not working. I had all the time in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so I was free. <laughs> so I go in and I interview for the job and it was great interviews. I interviewed with two different people and they really liked me and I got to start. Um, it was pretty far out. I think it was about six weeks out. Yeah. So I had a lot of time to relax, but I got the job. Yeah. You know, I got a job that I wanted. It was great. Um, it, and it was just because I took the leap of faith of just saying, I'm not going to work in this place anymore. I don't feel like this is where I should be. So now I'm sitting in a job that I, I really liked. I've been trying to get, cause I, I had a degree or I had a degree in HR and you can't get those jobs yeah. unless you have experience, yeah. but you can't get the experience without having the job. So this was just, it was the door that I needed open for me. It was exactly what I needed and I got it. Yeah, from a spiritual level, it's always amazing to me that when you have it on your heart to go do a thing, and if you say it out loud to anybody else, they're like, you're nuts. What is wrong with you? You need to go get counseling now. <laughs> um, but you just know deep down inside, this is coming from something bigger than I am. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than I can comprehend. And all I know is I need to take that step. And then the door that opens after that, maybe not immediately after, but sometime after, is way bigger than you could have ever imagined. You know, just like... Uh, and, and for some folks, they got to go through a crucible before that door opens. But uh, you, it sounds like you were at that stage where you were ready. Boom, door open. Somebody found you, reached out to you. And, and knowing your time in that company, it's been, in a sense, a godsend because you've grown in that. Uh, and so now this, this job has been thrusted in front of you. You take a leap for it. Um, and what have you seen since then? Like the types of – in what ways have you seen, found yourself saying yes to more opportunities than you would have before? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. So I've said a yes to a lot of opportunities where I'm at, you know, and it's funny, you, you just said something about a seven year sabbatical. And I always joke, I was in the Air Force for seven years. I worked for that insurance company for seven years. And now I'm coming up on seven years with my current company. So it's like every seven years, something's going to change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't change this time because I really like where I'm at. But, you know, taking this job, I, I got into the, the world of HR. You know, we we were on the customer service side. So obviously I've got a lot of customer service skills. You know, people always ask me, what's your number one skill? I say customer service because it doesn't matter what job you're in. It's a customer service job. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're servicing somebody. Um, so I got into the job. I really liked it. I learned a lot and I was in the world of HR. It's just where I wanted to be. I had a degree in it and that's, that's what I felt was my passion was, you know, helping the internal person, you know, trying to help them with their careers or whatever it was that they needed any kind of help. You know, in a couple of years in, another opportunity comes up. You know, I I meet another uh, guy at the company and he leads a training team. Yeah. 
And I just can't seem to stay away from training because it's just, it's apparently it's my passion. You know, it's, it's always my passion to sit and talk to people because I like to talk to people. I like to train people and I've always felt like I'm really good at it. I can break down a, a complex problem into a very simple solution. So, and I always figure the training, that's basically what it is. You just got to teach complicated things. So another fork in the road comes, you know, I, I battled for years and years and years to get into an HR job. But yet here's a training job that sounds really nice. And it was just kind of one of those another moment where you got to stop and think, well, what what do you really want to do? Um, what do you want to do with your life? So I took the training job because it's it's a passion of mine. That's what I really wanted to do. Um, and it stayed in the same company. So it's it wasn't a nasty transition or anything. It was just I'm just trying to follow what my heart tells me to do. Yeah. You know, helping people learn is just something that I really wanted to do. So I followed into it. Um, and just following that, that leap of faith again has led to so many opportunities. You know, you wouldn't think that just transitioning to one job was going to make such a big deal, but it's made a really big deal because we've, we've had to go through the transitions. Um, you know, even in this job, we, we fell out of the HR department. We're, we're now under the, the IT world and the IT world's very volatile. So layoffs come around again. Oh yeah. So our, you know, we're training. You don't need training. That's what everybody thinks. We got to cut money. Let's <laughs> get rid training. of training. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm faced with a layoff again. You know, my decisions led me there, but it was okay. You know, I was all right with it. Um, thankfully for us, um, somebody in the world of HR saw the value of what we were doing and said, you know what, I will absorb some of that team. So my boss was able to just bring a few people with them. Thankfully, I was one of them. And now we're back in HR. So now I got the best of both worlds. I'm doing a training job, but I'm back in the HR world. So it's it just worked out, you know, just one of those things you wouldn't expect. And it was great. So I'm doing uh, all kinds of training, you know, teaching people how to use software systems. And it was just it was nice. I, I got right back to where I wanted to be because I just followed my heart and did what I wanted to do. And, and it just worked out for me. I've read enough biographies and interviewed enough people to know that there is an element of being at the right place at the right time and saying yes to an opportunity that may not have been perfect, but you just knew deep down. Like, I don't know how to describe that. You just know deep down, that's the job. Exactly. That's the opportunity. Here's why. And, and you go. And, you know, maybe, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, can give some insight to that. Like, your brain is recognizing there are some things here I need to go for. And, like, and any of you, you probably know the difference between a job that you got into because you loved it, loved the opportunity, it excited you about an adventure, uh, and compared to the jobs you've had where it was just like, I got to pay the electric bill and put food with the meals, uh, because that's what the family is, is expecting and needs. And, it sounds like this current company you're in and the role that you're in uh, was that opportunity where you just knew deep down inside, I need to go for this. And I always tell my son, you'll know when you hit something that you're meant to do or gifted to do, that'll be just right for you. When it's something that you're studying all the time without anybody telling you to, um, yeah, and, and doors just open up and you just confidently go in, whether or not you're ready for it, you just know. That's the leap I need to take. And, um, and, and he's, he'd ask, well, how do I know? I'm like, you, you just kind of know. Like, yeah. It, for us on the outside looking in, it'll be hard to see. But for you, uh, you know, it's the thing that you're watching hundreds of hours of YouTube to learn about, not just to be entertained, but to learn about. So my son, for example, 
would watch hundreds of hours of photography, lighting, setting up the shot, framing the shot, you know, rack focus, you know, push, pull, you know, tilt shot, you know, just all these things that are very technical that, you know, most folks don't understand. And here's my son at like six, 16, 17 years old watching undocumented numbers of hours on how to just use a camera, a camera he didn't even own yet. Uh, you know, so then he'd also watch, well, I've got an iPhone. Maybe I learned on that. And it's kind of the same. Like if you're in the right career field, you just, you learn more about that. Uh, you go to conferences if you can, you, you subscribe to magazine articles or um, magazines, you get books on it, you talk to people who know more about it. And, and so with that, you've also not only found yourself leaping into these great opportunities, you've been going through some growth professionally. Uh, so tell us some of that stuff that you've been doing um, since you got into this first leap of faith. Well, I could start that off with a really good story that I, I didn't realize until years later what I had done. So whenever I was the, the branch manager of the rental car place, I had uh, a lady that worked for me that was always late, like late every oh, single man. day. And when I mean late, I mean, it's you're supposed to be there at seven. It's seven oh four, seven oh five. But we've already got people standing outside waiting for me to unlock the door at seven. So it was so vital for everybody to be on time because. We've already got five people standing there. We need the whole staff. And by whole staff, there was three of us. Yeah. So it was just very important to be on time. And this was my, I mean, it wasn't my first leadership role, but it was my first leadership role in the corporate world outside of the military. And I just, I needed to confront her. And I had not a lot of training of how to properly do that, that I have now. I mean, I would totally do it different now. But so I just sat her down. I was like, why are you late every day? That was literally how I opened it up. You know, anybody that does leadership training be like, dude, that's not how you do it, man. That's not how you do it. And it, it really, yeah. yeah, it threw her off. She was just like, wow, you just jumped right into it, didn't you? And I was, and I just didn't have the proper training to go through what, what I needed to do with her. You know, it was not that big of a deal, you know, not, it didn't need to be such a harsh conversation, but I made it harsh. All right, so you called her out. She's coming into late, uh, coming to work late all the time. Uh, so you call her out. Probably the way that I would have when I was in the army too. Like, look, you're not living up to standard. Live up to standard. Cool. <laughs> but in the military, you got nowhere else to go. I mean, you can go AWOL, but eventually you get arrested. You go to prison or jail. Um, you can't take away half their paycheck in the civilian world. It turns out. Uh, so it's like, how do you motivate somebody to do their thing? without having to fire them or have them leave. And that, that takes a, a finesse that you don't have to worry about in the military. Uh, but so you found out firsthand what happens there. You know, the person gets up and leaves. Oh, now, was this person really somebody worth keeping in the first place? Uh, she was. She yeah. was really good at the job. Um, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what else to say, yeah? yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we're not going back in time, so it's done. <laughs> exactly. What's done is done. Now, uh, over time, though, you've you've learned more about leadership. You've educated yourself. You've had opportunities to take up education. Um, so, tell us a little bit more about that and the importance that learning has had in your career. So, yeah, education is. I mean, obviously, I really like to train other people, but educating myself, you know, I just always say I'm a, a lifelong nerd. I love going to school. I love learning new things, new certifications, new, new everything. So, whenever I joined the military, my thought process at that time when I was 18 is, well, I guess I'm not going to go to college. So, I mean, for everybody, I know you're a part of the Lima Charlie Network, so there's a lot of veterans out there that know about the GI Bill. You know, everybody's heard about the GI Bill. Well, when you go into basic training, you can deny it. 
and I denied it. Oh, I wow. was like, I'm in the Air Force. What do I need to go to college for? <laughs> That's such an Air so Force I, thing to say, by the way. I, just, <laughs> I denied it. And it was $50 a paycheck for all your paychecks for the first year. So, I mean, it's not even a big investment. Yeah. And I denied it. I just said, no, don't worry about it. I, I'm, I'm in the Air Force. I don't need school, whatever. So, a couple of years in, I think I was two years in, one of my friends, he decided he was going to go take some college classes because, you know, we have a college on base. And he took his whole semester of it and he talked me into it. I was like, why not? I'll go take a math and an English. And I, I really liked it. I don't know why, but it was something about learning the, the proper English, all the, the things that you need to know about grammar just kind of sucked me in. And I'm still a grammar nerd, but it just sucked me in and I just kept going. You know, every semester I took more classes and more classes and more classes. And, you know, three years later, I have a bachelor's degree. And then I said, well, I'm still in the Air Force. I still have a little bit of tuition assistance uh, for active duty members. So I got a master's degree. I got a bachelor's degree in human resources. So I uh, used that. And when I got out, that's what kind of led me into looking for the HR jobs because I learned a lot about it. You know, you have to learn compensation, general human resource management, just everything that there is about it. And that's what drew me in. And that was the reason I always wanted to get those jobs. So cut to a lot of years later. Some things changed. Uh, September 11th happened. And one of the, the things that came out of that was they reestablished the GI Bill. It was no longer the old Montgomery GI Bill. It was now the post 9-11 GI Bill. So I had um, an interesting conversation. I had two conversations that led me to a, another just leap of faith, total life change. Um, while I was laid off in, in 2013 with nothing to do, I had a friend that lived in Ohio and he was like, well, just come, come up here and hang out for new year's. I was like, well, I've got nothing else to do. Why not? Let's drive up to, to Ohio. And while we were there, he was like, how come you never went back to get your doctorate? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I never thought about it. And he was like, you should do it. And I was like, okay. You know, I don't know why we're talking about this. And that was the end of the conversation. It was like two minutes. And then, so I, you know, a couple of weeks pass and I'm talking to another friend of mine, you know, and she, uh, her husband was in the military and, and they were researching some post 9-11 GI Bill. And she said, you know what? I think when they reestablished it, they just gave it to everybody. You might qualify. So I looked into it and oddly enough, I did qualify. Uh, I was in until 2004. So I had three years post 9-11 and I had GI Bill money. So I did some research and I was like, you know what? I could go back to get a doctorate because they're going to help me pay for it. So in 2014, I was like, why not learn some more? So right. I enrolled into school, you know, I'm, and this was right before I got my current job. So I started a new job. I started a doctorate degree all at the same time. So I'm having to learn a totally new career and at night and on the weekends go through this grueling program. So it was tough. Yeah. You so know, you're Dr. Parker. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I eventually finished, you know, it only took five and a half years, you know, just a shade under a decade to get done, but, hey. um, I got it done, you know, and it was, it was, uh, it was a really good learning opportunity because it's a doctorate of education and organizational leadership, you know, because the, the leadership was what I really wanted to learn more about. So we did a lot of studies on it and then you, to get your doctorate, you have to do a dissertation. So you've got to go through the whole process of actual research. You know, you got to formulate your proposal plan and do real research, talk to real people and try to add to the world of academia. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, at a minimum, it's something. taught you to be uh, detailed 
data driven and to methodically go through processes and projects and solutions, which a lot of people don't do. You know, a lot of folks just see a little bit of information and say, go. And you're like, well, how do you know that's going to work or not? I don't know. I'll just, if it works, great. If not, we'll go back. And, <laughs> you know, having a PhD, if anything, teaches you that, that process to, um, you know, see if this thing would work. Is there enough information out there to, to suggest it could work? And then how do we do like a little beta test or an alpha test, then a beta test and then roll out? So there's a lot of that. Uh, so it's, it's worth going. Plus you found the resources, you had it, folks encouraged you and you took that opportunity. So another yes, leap of faith kind of thing. Like, cause you know, I look at your PhD, I'm like, do I want to do that? Uh, and my wife keeps saying, you know, you ought to get one. I'm like, do I want to? <laughs> and eventually I'll hit that road where, or that point where it's, I, I got to make a decision. Uh, but then you also have, from what you'd shared with me, you, you've got an executive coach now who helps you grow and really hold your feet to the fire. Uh, what's it like having that kind of accountability? Yeah, I ended up getting an executive coach. It's an interesting story. I was talking to uh, my leader one day and, you know, I was just ex- expressing some frustrations about where I thought my career was going. I thought it was kind of stalling out again. You know, I'm coming up on seven years with the company. Is it is it time to move on, try to yeah. find something else? And luckily, I have a really good leader that said, well, well, let's see if we can get you into uh, an executive coaching program. Um, and it was you know, it's, it's over now. It just ended not too long ago, but man, it was such a, a blessing. I think just being able to talk to somebody that, you know, at, at one point he was, you know, an executive vice president over a, a very large company in charge of a lot of people. So he had a lot of really good experience that could teach me a lot. So, and the thing that I liked about him the most was he pushed me, you know, he wouldn't just say, you know, ask me a question, let me give him a generic answer. He's like, no, no, we're going to get into this. Let's talk. And it kind of became counseling sessions. It was it was really good. I looked forward so much to talking to him every we ended up doing it every two weeks. And oh, I loved it. You know, just being able to sit down and talk to somebody that's unbiased. I can say whatever's on my mind. You know, he doesn't work for this company. He doesn't have any anything over me in my career. So he's just here to help. So I could really just be very honest, you know, say the things that you don't really want to say to people. I would just say it to him and then he could help me break down. What does that really mean to you? How does that make you feel? Um, so it really acted like, like, um, counseling, yeah. but it was great because he started teaching me more about how to be a leader, how to, t- to think more strategically and how to learn from people. You know, one of the things he told me, he said, reach out to executives in your company and just go talk to them, just see what they'll say you know, tell them a little bit about yourself and then ask them, how did you get where you're at? So I did, you know, I sat down with three executives in my company and just said, how did you get here? You know, you're sitting in a, a high level position in this company. How did you get here? There's got to be a way. And then they just told me their stories and it was great to learn from them. So, you know, that was probably the biggest lesson I took is just listen to other people, learn from other people. You're not on your own. You know, there's other people that have have made it to where you want to be. So find out how they got there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just uh, even reading somebody's book that you maybe like like you asked me about Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership, because you saw me toting that book around this cruise. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I actually probably could reach out to Jocko and ask him to be on the show. And that would be my uh, chance to get you know some time with him. But until then, I could glean from him from the book. And a lot of other people, but I mean, in your own company, yeah, you got a wealth of knowledge there, a wealth of experience that a lot of us never tap into. 
And I think that's brilliant to ask. Now, you know, he, Brian's not going to tell you what those three executives told him because that was specific to Brian's story, his situation. And you got to go do your own work. You know, go ask three executives of your own uh, and ask them, how did they get there? And what kind of advice can they give you uh, to bridge the gap where you are now to how to get there? Uh, and it may not get you there in one step, but get you the next step. And the experience points you in the right direction. Uh, now, I know, Brian, you don't have like a website. You're not like selling a book. You're not, you know, doing a speaker circuit or anything like that. Uh, so what final words of advice would you have for the folks listening right now? So I would just say follow your heart with your career, you know, because you never know where you're going to end up. The job I'm doing now, I would have never in a million years imagined doing what I'm doing. You know, I, I integrate technical software into other systems. How did I get to that? You know, I was turning wrenches in the Air Force. Now I'm working in software systems and integrations and running a team of product managers. And, and I love it. It's, it's great. But how did I get there? I don't even know. Um, the other, you know, the nuggets that I would teach uh, from that coaching session was, you know, going back to speaking with those executives. You know, when I was talking to my coach, he said, look, he's like, if you reach out to somebody and just tell them, I want to learn from you. It's like there's about a 99.9% chance they're going to be excited about it. They're going to want to. I walked into those meetings and they were prepared to talk to me. Yeah. You know, they're executives and they had notes. They were ready to talk to me because, you know, they're talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what people love to do. Yeah. So if you're stuck in a rut somewhere and you're trying to figure out what's going on with your career or how do I get somewhere, reach out to a couple of people that maybe are already there that you don't even know. And just ask them to learn from them. And there's a very good chance they'll say yes. Yeah, a lot of those executive, executives want to share their legacy with folks. And hey, this is how I got here. This is my story. Um, you know, maybe it'll help you too. So that, that's great uh, input for folks. Uh, so Brian, I'm, I'm glad you jumped on the show. It's not often I get to pull one of the listeners out. Uh, so it's easy when one of those listeners is also a friend of yours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Renee Beretta, I'm coming after you next, man. We are uh, friends, but man, I look forward to Mondays because I listen to the Beyond the Rut on the way home. And every Monday it dawns on me as soon as I get in the car. Oh, it's Monday. Hit the buttons. I got to find the new, the new podcast that's coming out. Yeah. So we should probably hit the button now before they wrap up for uh, breakfast <laughs> we do i think it's 45 more minutes it's for enough time to breakfast i'm such a hobbit man it's <laughs> crazy uh man uh all right so if you liked everything you heard on this episode you know check out the show notes at beyond the rut.com slash 304 uh there i'll link other episodes related to how to happen to your career with uh, scott barlow uh we'll talk about taking your career to the nth degree with uh, Tracy Timms out of Dallas and uh, even Donnie Scumachi who you know talks about you know getting out of your jail job rut so three episodes three folks worth listening to on top of this episode uh, now if you found value in this episode however you're listening to it right now hit the share button and send this to a friend a family member a co-worker or that neighbor across the street and let them know you enjoyed this and you think that person will as well uh, now, I enjoyed you joining us this week and look forward to you joining us again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Show and myself, 
I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.